Here we go. Welcome inside a Friday edition of the program. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Oh, do you ever just um, get through a week and take a big sigh of relief? Like, goodness gracious, we made it. That's kind of been the week this week. A lot of good things. A lot of good things, but we got busy times going on. You know, I don't know what takes more time preparing for what's coming up or when you have, you know, seven games in a five-day span or whatever the case may be. Again, not complaining, just a lot of things happening, a lot of great things happening, and we'll talk about a lot of them on the program today. Speaking of high school basketball, we'll break down uh, what is the final night of the regular season. Um, so, yeah, that's earmarked for uh, February 23rd is the last day of the regular season in boys' high school basketball uh, because tomorrow, all day long at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, the girls' basketball state finals will occur, and... Um, Games are kept out of the way for that specific state championship event. Um, I've got the 4A call tomorrow night. Looking forward to uh, being a part of the coverage, as always, on the IHSA Champions Radio Network. Anyway, um, but tonight, I feel like tonight is one of those really awkward nights because clearly, um, you know, we, we have to remind people sometimes that you're dealing with... 14 to 18 year old kids okay and there's so many times I talk to coaches and they remind me of that it's like oh actually that's a pretty good reminder because sometimes you get in the heat of battle and feel like hey um, you know this is all they do you know play the sport itself but no there's a lot more that goes into it anyway but why I bring that up is when you're dealing with 14 to 18 year old kids young men young women how can you not, how do you focus them on what I would describe as the task at hand tonight, which um, the game we have tonight is Muncie Central and Newcastle, but both of these teams know what comes next week. Both of these teams know not only what comes next week, but the challenges that exist um, going into next week because in sectional number nine, Muncie Central is um, you know, not a favorite. In sectional number 24, Newcastle is not a favorite. I mean, these two teams really resemble each other in a lot of different ways. And that'll be a fun matchup tonight. But it I don't know if the word is awkward. But the word, I, I don't know what the synonym would be for that or the apt description would be for what is tonight. Because ultimately, um, you know, a win or loss, a win's great. A win makes you feel good going into the weekend, but you got to refocus so quickly uh, going into next week's play. And both of these teams play on Wednesday of next week. And again, they have known their opponent for the better part of a week, so they have plenty of time in which to prepare for who they have ahead of them. But I always feel like this time of the year is when coaches – and coaching staffs do the most work, do the most um, management of their team because it is, I, I would imagine, it's so easy to look ahead. Heck, that's what we do here uh, uh, covering these games. All we've been talking about is next week. All we've been talking about is the coverage plans that we have for next week and the projection uh, that we have for next week. And 
oh, by the way, there's been games going on this week and many teams have their final regular season game tonight or they had it last night or whatever the case may be. I just I find this week in, in high school basketball always to be incredibly curious from that standpoint because <laughs> it is so easy. And, and again, it's 14, 18-year-old kids that you're working with uh, to try to focus them on the task at hand. So, again, I've been asked this this week, and it's um, I- I've known in my 10 years here, and I've been a part of this, and there's been others that have been a part of it far longer than I have. But the the phrase expect the unexpected could not be more true because there have been – in my 10 years here, a lot of shocks over the last several years. You know, I remember back in 20, uh, 2016, covering that Muncie Central team uh, that ended up facing up against Homestead in the sectional final up in up at Huntington North. And I still look back, and that is one of the more talented teams we've seen around here in quite some time. And uh, they fell in the sectional championship. The very next year, they had a team that really, I would say, overachieved. They had a lot of really solid, good basketball players, but the high-level talent, the year before, they had far better talent. And yet, they got to the sectional final, gave Homestead another heck of a basketball game, ultimately falling in the sectional championship. You know, I also... um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, you know, I, I remember back, I think it was 2019 uh, was the year. And I, I marked that date as the, uh, I think that was the senior, or maybe it was 2020, was the uh, senior year for um, Brady Hunt, I believe. But, but he, as a junior at Delta, I remember that they went into that Friday matchup with Newcastle, the semifinals of that sectional. And we were all shocked down on the floor seeing the way that Newcastle was able to close that basketball game, and it was a tough result for Delta at the end of the day. So I bring all those things up to say this. Man, is it really unexpected this time of the year. And we'll be talking about it a lot next week. But, um, you know, when you get the week before, I believe you kind of just sit there and think about all of the different circumstances that have occurred over the last several years, you know. Last year was an incredible thrill uh, to have two teams reach the semi-state round. Um, You know, you had the undefeated year for Delta back in 2018-2019 where they ultimately fell in the regional championship uh, to a really good Marion team. There's been a lot of stories around here, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, we are ready for coverage next week. We're ready for coverage tonight. It is um, truly I don't know. I'll ask Rob Fisher, is this better than Christmas? <laughs> some uh, some coaches may not say that publicly because their families might be listening, but um, it's right up there. It's pretty darn close to the top of the top of the top. So, uh, anyway, we are very excited for what comes here, not just tonight, uh, but what also comes next week as well. Um Pacers get a win last night. We'll talk a little bit about them coming up in a in a moment. And again, just be prepared for more and more and more Pacers talk because they are um, incredibly relevant in the Eastern Conference. And I I tend to believe this. 
If you were to get honest opinions from NBA players or NBA teams and Eastern Conference players and teams, if they were to rank the teams that they did not want to play, now, I think you would exclude Boston and Milwaukee in that. They're the top two seats in the conference. Those are the the assumed. But maybe of the teams that are with, you know, the, the, the seeds four through the bottom of the Eastern Conference, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Pacers would be one of those teams that at or near the top. I, I would think maybe they would even be the team that would be the team that nobody wants to play. Because of what they've shown with the body of work against the top of the top. Like, I don't think there's any questions about how the Pacers would compete against those teams. And, you know, last night, I think the biggest scene that has to make you feel really good if you're a Pacers fan, Tyrese Halliburton looked fully healthy. And not that he didn't going into the All-Star break, but he looked spry. He looked energetic. He looked like he wasn't saving something, which anybody that's gone through an injury, and I've had knee injuries. I've had many of them on both knees. When you go out there and, and you start moving around like you think you can, and you just had a, uh, a tough injury, it's always in the back of your mind. It is. It's always in the back of your mind, especially when it just occurred. So you can feel like Tyrese Halliburton is back to some sort of level of full strength, and that has to be incredibly exciting if you're the Indiana Pacers. So we'll dive into that topic a little bit later on. And again, Rob Fisher, voice on high school broadcast with us, will join us at 445 or just before that as we preview tonight, but also preview what's to occur coming up next week. All right, a uh, big weekend for Ball State men's and women's basketball. I had the chance to be on Delaware County today this morning with Steve Lindell, and we were talking a little bit about this. Just a pivotal weekend for both teams because they are in totally different places because, of course, Ball State men's basketball trying to find their way into the Mid-American Conference, and then you have Ball State women's basketball trying to hold on to the top spot. So what occurs this weekend isn't going to, in Ball State women's basketball's case, uh, secure that number one seed, but it's going to go a long way. For Ball State, if they were to win this weekend, it's not going to secure a spot in the Mid-American Conference Tournament, but it certainly will go a long way because you've got five games left in conference play. So let's start with the women's basketball team, and there's a reason why I'm starting with them because, oh, I don't know. Uh, these are the two best teams in the Mid-American Conference and teams that are, have a combined record of 43-7. and seven. I went through it yesterday. Uh, their seven losses combined is less than Kent State, who's the number three team in the conference, who has eight losses overall this season. These two teams have been very, very good. And, you know, I would imagine – that there is a pretty large chip on the shoulder of Toledo. Not just the fact that you beat, uh, that, that, that Ball State beat them the first time around, but they must be thinking, hey, we're having a pretty good season too. Toledo's 20-4. and four. They're 12-1 and one overall in, in conference play. They did have three non-conference losses where Ball State's getting a lot of the pub is what they did in non-conference play. They're only two losses other than the Northern Illinois loss in conference play to top 25 ranked teams. And so Toledo 
has a chance at home tomorrow in their eyes to kind of put the spotlight back on them. Because this year, the accolades and the praise has certainly gone Ball State's way, and uh, rightfully so. But uh, you're going to go into an environment tomorrow, and I would imagine Toledo's going to have that sort of mentality, feeling as though, hey, um, we have not lost a game since we played Ball State the last time around. Uh, Toledo um, has won uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row since that point. Their only stumble came against Ball State. Uh, their non-conference losses have come to Gonzaga and Cincinnati and Duke. Very similar to Ball State, their non-conference losses are all Power 5 schools that they've lost to. They have uh, conquered each and every task other than the head-to-head to Ball State. And, you know, that was a pretty pretty thorough performance by Ball State winning 65-51. I mean, you know, there was a lot of hype for that game when they played on on that Sunday about four weeks ago. And Ball State uh, took control of that game early on and never really looked back. It was a thorough four-quarter win. And Toledo, I'm sure, has that in the back of their minds. Again, I think both of these teams know this. They are the two best teams in the conference, okay? And whether, you know, Ball State has the one seed or Toledo does, that isn't as big of a deal as it is, you know, what statements are kind of made in a game like this. Like, you can set a tone by, you know, adjusting or, you know, in Ball State's case, winning again. That You, you just kind of show, hey, we are the superior team. I think it's going to be one heck of a battle tomorrow from that standpoint, that this is, um, in a way, turning into a little bit of a rivalry. And you would understand why, because these have been the most two, the two of the most consistent programs um, in the Mid-American Conference for quite some time. Uh, Toledo at 20-4 and four has just been outstanding. And you know what? Um, a lot of these games were predicted at the beginning of the year that you felt like there was going to be something, um, you know, something around this um, and, and these matchups. You know, uh, Toledo uh, got all the way to the uh, Mid-American Conference final last year. Ball State a couple of years back. So, again, uh, there, there's a lot riding on this game um, for both sides. And again, maybe not um, – it'd be great to have the number one seed in the regular season championship, but both of these teams know how pivotal uh, the Mid-American Conference Tournament is. And so, uh, big matchup for Ball State women's basketball. And I'm fired up to watch uh, a, a decent amount of that coming up tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun uh, to see how it all plays out between Ball State and Toledo. Again, the tip-off at 2 o'clock. Um, the uh, game can be heard on the Varsity Sports Network. Um, we have the Ball State men's basketball game coming up right here on the Talk of Monsey, the new WMUN. They have a matchup with Eastern Michigan. And again, um, by now you know the drill. Okay, you know the drill that Ball State's number number nine in conference play right now. Uh, they're five and eight after the win that they had earlier this week against Northern Illinois, and now they have the chance to beat Eastern Michigan again. And and, and you know what? Against Eastern Michigan, um, that was a I, I, I'm using the word thorough a lot in this. Uh, show today, I guess. Uh, Eastern Michigan, they beat them 76-62 and did so on the road. It, it, it's kind of strange when you look at it, and I, I was looking at the, this game 
uh, before we jumped on the air today. And, and the matchup predictor, Ball State is a is a heavy favorite. I don't know how many games that they've been a favorite in uh, this season in Mid American Conference play, but this one of them, um, Eastern Michigan has lost four of its last five, yet the lone win that they've had was against Bowling Green. They beat a Bowling Green team who's seven and six in conference. And then Eastern Michigan goes and loses to Buffalo, who's two and eleven in conference. They lost to them in the middle of this past week. Like it, it it's so strange how this has all worked out this year. But again, as much as you feel like um, you're the better team in this, which you should, you should feel that way, um, you know, uh, some of the things that stand out about Eastern Michigan is kind of weird that they beat a pretty good Bowling Green team, but yet they lost to Buffalo. That's why the middle of the conference and the bottom of the conference is so treacherous. Who would have thought Buffalo would have won that game? Um, this past week. I, I, I didn't see that coming. You know, I, I think Buffalo is clearly the bottom team in the league based on the way others have played them, but Buffalo goes and beats Eastern Michigan and um, knocks Eastern Michigan down a peg because Eastern Michigan was only a game behind Ball State, and this would have uh, put them in a really advantageous position heading into this matchup. Now, they're two games back of Ball State. Ball State's at nine, and they're three games back of Western Michigan, so they're um, I guess route to a Mid-American Conference tournament is very, very slim right now. So ultimately, focusing on the Bowl State angle, um, can you build on what you felt like in, in a way, and you feel like you've had a lot of these this season, was kind of a little bit of a breakthrough on Tuesday. A breakthrough from the standpoint that you were able to close the game, make good decisions down the stretch, and when you kind of had your backs against the wall with 8.46 to play, you fought, and you overcame a game in which your best player, Bashir Jihad, had one of his poorest efficiency performances. I mean, all of these, in a lot of ways, are net positives. That's another one as well. So I, I look at this matchup and say, it's a momentum builder for Ball State. It, it, it can be. Now, um, we have seen this season, when you've had a little bit of success, how do you back it up? Ball State has only won back-to-back games once since the new year. They've only won back-to-back games in Mid-American Conference play once. That was uh, the back-to-back at Buffalo and then against Northern Illinois. So they have had a a tough time kind of stacking successes together because you felt like, hey, nice win against Eastern. You have the overtime loss to Miami. Then you win against Buffalo, Northern Illinois. You come back home, feel good about yourself, and Bowling Green bites you. Then you beat Western Michigan, and then you came home in the overtime loss to Ohio. So it's kind of been, uh, like we mentioned, the one step forward, two steps back, those sorts of things. But I don't know why Tuesday kind of felt a little bit different. And maybe it's from an optimistic point of view or trying to look at it in a positive light that maybe you found something on, on Tuesday. Because if you look at the way that the box score looked, it was by no means pretty, yet you played your best when you needed to with 8.46 to play. And so I think you go into a game like this one tomorrow feeling like this, okay? Feeling like you're not going to have another game where Bashir Jihad has that type of game. 
Um, you're not going to go into a game um, like the, the, the this past one where, um, you know, uh, you shoot that poor percentage and you're only down by single digits. I mean, it was it was a very strange game on Tuesday. So overall, here's here's what it comes down to for Ball State. If you stack this one and then you go to uh, Central Michigan, uh, the final three games are, are going to get you to where you need to go because it's Western Michigan at home, Kent State at home, and at Bowling Green. Uh, but, but again, what a win it would be uh, to get this one against Eastern. Again, based on who Eastern has beaten this season, it's not going to be a walk in the park. Because, again, the middle to bottom of the conference is just weird. I can't, I can't explain it any differently than just saying it is weird. But you win this game. There's other matchups in Mid-American Conference play. You could very well find yourself in the eighth spot when we come back on this show on Monday. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's an opportunity that... You know, I, I feel like you had a major opportunity against Miami of Ohio, had a big opportunity against Ohio. This one is different because you go into this game, and this is a game you should win. Whereas the Ohio and Miami of Ohio games could have been described as 50-50 games. No, no, no. This is one you should win. But you can't go into that game with, the, with, with that mindset because, again, you have to earn it. And Ball State earned it on, on Tuesday night. I mean, that was um, – you know, that's a team that you would feel like um, you should win that game. But you had to earn it. I mean, there, there's no question about it. You had to earn that game without question. So can you do it again? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm extremely curious um, how all of it plays out. So Ball State against Eastern Michigan. Uh, that game will tip off at 2 o'clock coming up tomorrow. You can hear the pregame at 1.40 right here on the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon, we'll be, uh, we'll be very curious to see how all of that plays out. So thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. We are uh, very busy on a Friday today. We're going to talk some Pacers when we come back. It's coming your way right after this power. Talk them on CWMUN. I mentioned about Tyrese Halliburton watching him a bit last night. He looked like he wasn't thinking that he had just been out for a period of time due to injury. Um, and, and look, I can speak on this because, again, I, I didn't play high-level sports, but I did have a lot of injuries, a lot of knee injuries. And I'll never forget coming back from each and every one of those. So my, my, my right knee would dislocate um, and, and just, uh, lack for better terms, my, my knee, um, the ligaments weren't strong enough to kind of hold it together when I was going side to side. So, you know, I had this happen from time to time. It usually was like a three-week recovery. Every time it happened, it happened about four or five times. And, you know, as it happened more, obviously when I went back on the basketball floor, you're thinking about it. You just are. You're thinking about, hey, if I make this move, is, is it going to happen again? If I, I, you know, step this way, Am I going to tweak something? Am I going to aggravate something? And, you know, obviously I was moving at slow pace compared to uh, Tyrese Halliburton, but I just can't even imagine 
uh, a, a player like him thinking that he had a pretty serious injury. Also, thinking about that he came back for a game and then they shut him down for the five days afterwards. Like, he almost tweaked it again uh, when they brought him back just a tad bit earlier than expected. Well, last night he looked like a totally different player. I mean, he just he looked like the Halliburton before the injury happened, and what, what a nice sight that is to see because we all know the difference that this basketball team is with him on the basketball floor, no doubt about it. Uh, Pacers win 129-115 last night over the Detroit Pistons. Uh, again, it shouldn't be one of those wins where you sit and congratulate yourself about the fact that you beat the Detroit Pistons, but as we mentioned... There are zero concerns about this basketball team against the top of the top of the Eastern Conference and the top of the top of the league, for that matter. Um, They have proven, without a shadow of a doubt, that they are as good, if not better, than some of those teams at the top and could uh, battle them in whatever playoff series comes about. Okay? The ones that are going to determine where you're seated are these games against the Detroit Pistons type of teams. You know, they, they've lost or, or been very close to losing to Detroit in the past. They've lost to a not very good Charlotte Hornets team. They have a really good young player in Brandon Miller, but they are not a very good basketball team. They've lost to Portland a couple of times. These are, again, it shouldn't concern you about how they're going to play in the playoffs if they can't beat the Portlands and the Charlottes and the Detroits of the world, but it is going to affect your uh, your playoff position. And as we know in the NBA, home court advantage is so key. Like the difference between the four, uh, the four seed and the fifth seed is pretty massive. Now, it's not to say you can't win a playoff series like that, but I don't know, when you have four games at home compared to three games at home in a seven-game series, that makes a difference. It really, really does. And we don't talk about this enough in the NBA or, or really in professional sports always. I, the peaking at the right time stuff, like we have forgotten that Pascal Siakam was acquired you know, about a month ago. Like, it is time to see the the meshing and the chemistry of this basketball team kind of take off. And I, I think we're on the edge of that because with Halliburton in the lineup and Siakam uh, playing together, you're, you're going to start to see that or you should. You, you absolutely should. And in the first half last night, those two together were really, really good. Pacers uh, plus 17 in the first quarter, plus 12 in the second quarter of play. So they were up 29 points after the first half of play. Gave a little bit away in the third quarter, but I guess you can do that when you are up 29 points. And uh, they played even in the fourth. So um, you got a, a lead as as high as 29 and then were able to kind of coast in the second half. Or that's the way it kind of seemed last night. So again, that's important uh, to the way that things need to happen. So uh, we got a call here, 765-287-1340. It's Dalton with us. Dalton, what do you got? Hey, Mark, how are you? Um, I was uh, in Gamebridge Fieldhouse last night uh, watching the Pacers and uh, – I, I agree to your point that I feel that this is the best that we've seen Tyrese Halliburton look since the injury. And uh, I actually heard uh, Rick Carlisle say in one of the press conferences that 
this was the first time uh, since the injury that he hasn't been on the injury report. And there's, you can start to, like, I felt like being in the Cambridge Fieldhouse, you can start to kind of feel that sense of uh, togetherness that you were starting to talk about with Pascal Siakam. He scored 20 points, I think, last night and had like six or seven rebounds. Uh, my question for you, um, because I know you're a guy that's watched high-level basketball and follow the Pacers probably uh, just as closely or if not more than I do. Um, at what point do you as the Pacers um, – and it's kind of – my question revolves around Benedict because he was in the starting lineup because Aaron Neesmith out uh, because of an injury. But at what point do you kind of look at a different option uh, when Benedict Matherin is struggling? Because I felt like the Pacers last night – kind of let him just make mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, and, and he's like a streaky player, as, as you know. So at what point yeah. do you look at like maybe a Jairus Walker, somebody, or even a Doug McDermott who we just acquired – uh, and give them an opportunity. I appreciate it, Dalton. And, and um, you know, I, I've been I've been very adamant for a while um, that um, you know I, I think that they need to play Benedict Matherin more because uh, he needs to get integrated. Like, if this team's going to be what we think it's going to be, uh, of course, Tyrese Halliburton's got to be elite. But if you remember when this team played in the in-season tournament, okay, uh, the games against Boston, Milwaukee, and, and, and the L.A. Lakers, who really shined? Benedict Matherin did. He, he really, really did. He is their uh, – I know this is an overused tune, uh, overused uh, term, not tune, term now, but he's their X factor. Benedict Matherin's somebody that can take somebody one-on-one and make some plays. Now, is he polished? No, he's not. So you've got to walk that fine line, but – Dalton, I get what you're saying. I, I, I do. I understand, you know, you don't want somebody that's going to make a lot of mistakes, but um, this team is a better basketball team when Benedict Matherin is playing really, really well, and you've written it to this point that you've got to see that through, and you got to get him playing at his best. And I know, um, you know, in so many words, Rick Carlisle, the head coach of the Indiana Pacers, I, I think has insinuated that there's been a, a – a lot of work in progress with him and that there's been times where he's kind of completely abandoned Benedict Matherin and I would imagine it, it alludes to a lot of what Dalton just said that sometimes you don't know what you're going to get from him yet the really good is really good and the really good is why you didn't include him in any of those trade packages for other players because the flashes are absolutely there. But, yeah, I mean, it comes with mistakes and it comes with a lot of inconsistencies, but you've, you've got to get great things out of Benedict Matherin. I feel very, very strongly about that. Um, whether he starts or not, um, I, I don't – it doesn't necessarily matter as much if he starts or he doesn't. Uh, but but Aaron Neesmith coming back will really, really help and, and those sorts of things. But I was just getting ready to say, it's like Dalton read my mind. Um, I was just getting to, uh, ready to talk about Benedict Matherin and well, how this team takes that extra ascension. Because having Siakam and Halliburton next to one another is your, your, your mainstay. But you have to have a third guy. You have to have a fourth guy. And 
Folks, Miles Turner's been really good. It's not Miles Turner. It's it's Benedict Matherin. It, it has to be Benedict Matherin. Uh, Neesmith has been very good. T.J. McConnell's been very good. Um, Andrew Nemhard has been very, very good. Isaiah Jackson. But we're talking about role players when we bring all those names up. Those are guys that on a nightly basis, can you give me 12 to 15? Benedict Matherin has the chance to give you 25 a night. Or 20, 20 plus, 25 a night. Again, maybe there's not enough shots to go around to get him 25 a night, but he is, he, he has the ability to really excel. And I go back to the in season tournament again. That showed me a lot about Benedict Matherin. It just did. It showed, it showed a lot of people. And honestly, you were so infatuated by the Tyrese Halliburton story that I think even Pacers fans maybe didn't focus enough on the emergence of Matherin. Now, um, he hasn't played great since then. He's had his streaky moments. But, man, when the moment was pretty big there, they counted on Benedict Matherin in that basketball game in the in-season tournament championship against the Lakers, and it, it mattered. It absolutely mattered. So, to me... Um, that's where I think this team gets better is if Benedict Matherin's playing well, the Indiana Pacers are playing well. I, I, I truly, truly believe that. So we'll be talking a lot more about this basketball team because they are, they are fun. Um, they are likely going to be a playoff team. I wouldn't see any reason why they'd go into a tailspin. And there's a lot of games left, so it's not a foregone conclusion yet. Um, they have a chance to be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference, and uh, they have every right uh, to kind of get there. But, um, you know, um, Tyrese Albert is a star. Pascal Siakam, you're going to get to know a lot better. But I, I'm waiting to see the emergence of everybody else, but specifically Benedict Matherin. So kind of key that that was brought up a moment ago by Dalton Bishop, who listens to the program very, very frequently. So um, I, I just feel like um, he is he is the type of guy that is going to make you different. Like there's a lot of good teams that have two guys. Um, you get a third guy playing really, really well, you, you are a different beast. You absolutely are, and um, that's what Benedict Matherin can do for the Indiana Pacers, no doubt about it. So, all right, um, when we come back, man, a lot of high school stuff. We got a good one tonight. Muncie Central and Newcastle is the game of the week tonight as Newcastle travels to the North Walnut Street Fieldhouse. The pregame coverage at 7 o'clock with yours truly and Rob Fisher. Um, so Rob's going to join us. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about the sectional coming up next week with all of the different matchups there. Also, when we come back, we are back at Crestview Golf Club, Mulligan's Clubhouse Grill for the High School Coaches Corner coming up tomorrow morning. We'll give you an idea of who's joining us tomorrow morning after this. Rob Fisher joins me as well. We're back with you next. Yes, we're back. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN, brought to you by State Farm agent Jason May. Make sure you get all the discounts you deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. Glad you're with us on the program. Final segment of the week. 
I don't know where this week went, but uh, it was a busy one. It's going to get even busier next week. It's busy even tomorrow. We have the coaches show live from Mulligan's Clubhouse, Girl Crestview Golf Club. Matt Luce, head coach of Wapahani Boys Basketball, will be with us. Also, uh, track and field coach at Yorktown, Jared Turner, will be with us. And so will the man that's on the phone with us right now, Rob Fisher, our analyst on the high school broadcast. He and I have Muncie Central Newcastle tonight, but we'll be talking about uh, sectional action tomorrow. Um, it's always fun when I have Jared Turner on from Yorktown, the track and field coach, because he was the track and field and cross-country coach for my wife at Yorktown. So he knew Tori before I did, Rob. I remember you telling, having him on last year and saying that, so... Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, maybe maybe I'll have my wife listen tomorrow, and uh, the first question will be, okay, do you have uh, Tory Forster stories? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, would advise you not to do that. Okay, but. okay. Yeah, you are you are a much wiser man than I. I just I, Sometimes you just got to have a little fun. Have a little fun, I guess. So, um, Rob, how did we get here? How did we get to the end of the season? Yeah, it's just flown through, and there's been all kinds of great storylines and, and things that have been going on with individual teams but yeah I, we uh, we mentioned it uh, rick and i, I think on the, on the air last week or two weeks ago mentioned that there was a there's always like a little law where it's like man this is really starting to drag but then you flip a switch and all of a sudden here we are it's the sectional week coming up and um and as you mentioned you've been very busy trying to get everything scheduled and then it gets busier next week when we have to follow through with that schedule but it goes fast it certainly yeah. does yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think tonight's interesting. Um, and there's been a couple of years where this matchup has been kind of like this, where um, I talked to both coaches and and talking about the other team, they said, well, we kind of see a lot of what we've gone through this year, the ups and downs and the inconsistencies and the adversity and all those different things. It almost felt like it was a relief to both of those, t- both of the teams tonight, Muncie Central and Newcastle, that they see each other right before because it's almost a prime example saying, hey, you're not the only one that's gone through all these ups and downs. They have too. Yeah, and, and I think if you look at both teams, they, they've gone through a lot of things this year, but – different reasons newcastle you and i kind of talked about it um earlier uh today they actually had some kids that they were hoping would be there now that unfortunately with injuries uh, are not um the thompson kid just had a severe traumatic broken leg five games into the season he was averaging 15 points a game um, so obviously they were counting on him to be there, and unfortunately he is not. And they've lost a, another player or so um, for other reasons. But then Muncie Central, on the other hand, is more of an inexperience, trying to get people playing time and, and get them up to snuff and get them used to the new system. So yes, you're right. They both had their issues and their and their um, their storylines, but different ones for sure. Yeah, I, I I don't know who necessarily has the advantage one way or the other tonight, which may, maybe um, uh, bodes well for a competitive matchup tonight. But um, you know, you you've you've obviously been a high school coach on the baseball level and those sorts of things. And when you get uh, to to the I guess the Friday or Saturday before the week, you head into sectional. I mean, you're dealing with 14 to 18 year old kids. How do they not look ahead? What what is what was always your message as a coach to not look ahead and stay in the moment well i I think part of it is um you just want to be as it's no different in any sport you want to be playing your very best you know as you head into the sectional so you're trying to fine-tune some things 
Um, but it's hard. Um, that question is very hard to, to keep them harnessed and not looking ahead um, to the tournament because that's what you gear your whole season towards. Um, you know, if you're a county school, you want to win your county championship, win a county tournament, win the conference, and, of course, the sectional. So that's what you've been – that's number one on your goal list all year is to be ready for the sectional. So it's very hard to keep them harnessed um, and get through that last game when it really, you know, it, it's senior night. I mean, that's a big thing um, for Muncie Central and, and so forth. But as far as any kind of conference standings, anything like that, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so your hope is play your best and nobody get hurt going into next week. It is uh, Rob Fisher, our analyst on High School Broadcast. Tonight is uh, Muncie Central hosting Newcastle. Our coverage begins at 7 o'clock right here on the Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Well, um, I think things got a little interesting last night. Uh, you saw, as I did, uh, number one Tipton go a- out at the hands of LaPel. So that's the first yeah. matchup for Wapahani coming up next week. You know, you've got maybe some other matchups like Yorktown versus Centerville and uh, Delta versus uh, Frankton uh, that you kind of look at and you're not um, you, you feel like Yorktown and Delta would be the favorites in that one and then you have a Muncie Central team that all over the place uh, you know kind of um, gave Richmond a, a really tough game on the road and you have that second time around like there's cases to be made in all of those examples for Delaware County teams to possibly win but also there's a couple of those that man uh, they look a lot different than they did three four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and even before last night with LaPelle uh, knocking off number one Tipton, they had already won 12 in a row. Right. I and mean, they were already rolling pretty good and had beaten Newcastle last week. And um, and we knew when, when we saw that draw that as a fan, for me, that's the championship game in that sectional. It is. Um, I'm not to take away from anybody else in that tournament, but um, that's the two – that's the two very best teams in that sectional without question. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one to really keep an eye on. And I agree with you. I think, I think Yorktown and I think Delta are the two best teams um, in that sectional. Although there are a couple, two or three teams in there that can surprise because of how well they're coached. One of them is playing on their own home floor. That's always difficult to beat there. I, but I expect that we're going to see a Delaware County Championship game in, in that sectional. Oh, wouldn't um, that be something? Oh, it would be fantastic. It would be a lot of fun. Um, and then with the, with the Bearcats, I, think, I, I agree with you. I think there's enough there that they can cause Richmond some trouble. You know, it's, you're talking one game, you know, and with Coach Allum and the defensive schemes yeah. he can come up with. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there aren't a couple of new wrinkles that – that nobody has seen until next Wednesday yeah. night. Yeah. Um, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised at all. So um, you never know. One game and we'll see what happens. I'll see you at the North Walnut Street Fieldhouse in 45 minutes. How about that? I'll be there, pal. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you. That's all Rob right. Fisher with us uh, on the Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. What a week. Thanks to all those who've listened. Thanks to all the guests. And as always, thanks to Rob Fisher. We got the Coach's Corner tomorrow morning. High school basketball tonight. Hope you all have a great weekend. We're back with you on this show Monday at 4.